man, is that the Rock News Weekly Podcast? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. This is Rock News Weekly. Every week, we bring you all the latest headlines in rock, metal, indie, grunge, alt, and classic rock news. This week's new releases, this week in music history trivia, movies, pop culture, and more. Now on to this week's episode. This week on the Rock News Weekly Podcast, week of December 18th, 2023, Season 5, Episode 49. It's our final episode of the year. This week, we're talking about Punk Rock Bowling in Las Vegas announcing their lineup for 2024. The Dillinger Escape Plan announces their 25th anniversary shows with original singer Dimitri Minikakis. Willie Nelson's star-studded 90th birthday celebration concert event is out now and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And the 2024 Grammy nominations have been announced. We'll go over all of the rock and alternative nominees and more. Plus, this week in rock and roll history trivia, weekly WTF, and so much more, everything's up at rocknewsweekly.com. Watch us live and chat with us every Sunday, twitch.tv slash rocknewsweekly, and watch on demand, youtube.com at rocknewsweekly. All right, it's time for the Rock News Weekly Podcast. What's up, everybody? Chris here, as well as David. How's it going, man? I am good. And how are you? I'm doing good. I heard your vacation has officially started. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling, like, pretty good. Pretty relaxed? I just, like, sit sometimes. <laughs> just sit and stare and enjoy nothing to do. Yeah, and, yeah. like, watch reality TV. and Do all the stuff that you want to do when you're relaxing. Yeah. Very cool. All right, well, hopefully you guys are enjoying some uh, holiday time. This is going to be our final episode of the year for 2023. So um, we are taking next week off, and then the week after that will be New Year's Eve as well. We're not going to do an episode leading into New Year's Day, so we'll take that week off. Um, so for about two weeks, and we got some holiday time. we got some things to do, so hopefully you guys don't mind. But we got lots to talk about this week, uh, the week of December 18th here. Episode number 49, almost 50 episodes this season, uh, 52 weeks. Uh, we did pretty darn good uh, staying consistent. Hopefully you guys enjoyed all of that stuff. All right, so let's get to all the topics this week. we got lots to talk about. Uh, let me switch the screens here. Here we go. Punk Rock Bowling, we got their lineup uh, that just came out. We're going to talk about that. Dillinger Escape Plan, 25th anniversary with their original singer, Willie Nelson's 90th birthday celebration. 2024 Grammy nominees. We're going to go through all of the nominees and try and play maybe like 15, 20 seconds of each each song in the rock and alternative categories. So we're going to uh, go through that and uh, we'll get to that in a bit. Rocknewsweekly.com, YouTube.com, at Rocknewsweekly. All right, tour news. Let's kick it off with the big announcement from uh, Punk Rock Bowling. It takes place May 24th through the 27th, downtown Las Vegas. We got Madness, Devo, and Descendants as the headliners uh, for each of the three nights. Gogol Bordello, Billy Bragg, Rocket from the Crypt, Gorilla Biscuits, Quicksand. I know they're going to be on their 25th anniversary tour. Uh, we got another date with them coming up. Stiff Little Fingers, Subhumans, Lagwagon. What do you think of this lineup, David, just off the impression here? Well, it, I mean... I want to see uh, Gogol Bordello. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Madness. Well, I don't know. There's those There's those ones that I remember when I first heard about them, like Lagwagon. Right. I remember just thinking. In the 90s. I like the name of that, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, they're a punk band from the 90s. Cosmic Psychos, Bratmo. Yeah, I mean, I always like a, a, a good bunch of punk. Right. You know. 
Madness, I had to look up. I didn't know who they were. They're apparently a old school ska band from the UK. And they still tour in the UK. And the six out of the seven original members are still in the group from the 80s. So that's, oh, really? Yeah. It's like original. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Original, like two-tone ska kind of stuff. Uh, and then Devo, of course. Uh, I think it's three of the oh, original members. Where's... Devo, top right. Oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> Devo, uh, definitely. Yeah, know, oh, yeah. Actually, pioneers. yeah. That, this does look good. This looks really good. Devo, uh, pretty awesome. And then Descendants, you know, the classic. These guys just played, I think, with uh, Circle Jerks at the Ace of Spades in Sacramento not too long ago. Heard it was a great show. So those headliners, definitely worth it. Um, and then, some, like you said, some of the, su- the sub-headliners, like Gogo Bordello, uh, Rocket from the Crypt, they're from San Diego. I, re- I remember them from my skate video days. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So a lot of those bands like Lagwagon. Uh, so I'm not Gorilla familiar Biscuits with Scatolites, well. though. Scatolites? Yeah. It, it's Scatolites, not yeah, Scatolites, the... so they don't go... No, <laughs> it's ska. No, it's ska stuff. A lot of these are like either ska or punk. The Scatolites are kind of a 90, I think 80s and 90s ska band, uh, kind of like classic style. So, yeah. But uh, the, the, what I don't like about this, we did this one year. We did it for our um, part of our honeymoon in Vegas in 2014 when we got married, or uh, 2016. And the thing was, <laughs> I don't know, it, it's, it's in a parking lot, basically. I'll just put it like that. It's okay. outdoors. It's on a parking lot. It's in the hot in summer May. heat yeah, in, May. in May. In Las Vegas. It's pretty brutal. Um, like we were talking about Sick New World the same kind of a thing it was in may is in a parking lot there's no relief from the shade good gosh it's pretty rough so i mean when you're paying you know hundreds of dollars for these tickets and you get there and it's like you're just at a parking lot you know kind of a thing i don't you know i'm not a big fan of that is it's kind of crazy because you think about it i mean there's a whole lot of desert out there i know why not a uh, whole lot of nice indoor venues too but yeah. the, maybe it's kind of you know the punk rock ethos of it but they've always parking done it. Lots. Yeah, they've always done it this way in the parking lot. Where you can spit. It's the 24th anniversary. They've done it since 2000, so it's been going pretty strong. So anyway, check that out, guys. It's on sale now in Las Vegas, punkrockbowling.com. Here's a picture of the outdoor. This is what it's like. So see, there's the main stage. They only have one main stage, and it just kind of goes all day long. Now, and is the ground... Is that is that parking lot? It is a parking lot, but they put this like astroturf on top of it. I see. So it's, it's not absorbing as much. Uh, yeah, but sunlight. so it's yeah, it's not as bad as like the raw parking lot. But back here, I think is like it's still parking the lot. They just kind of have lot. this like by the main stage. So it's I not see. as bad as it could be. But see. yeah, it's still pretty rough, especially in the hot heat. And as you could tell, there's just no shade anywhere to be seen. On the very edges, they, this is like the VIP area over here, and they have like a like kind of a bar area, uh, but still kind of a, I don't know, it's, it's a pretty rough one. you got to definitely punk rock it out there, literally. Um, You've got to have your like little punk rock like waist, that, you know that thing that hangs down that oh, yeah. you that you can sit on? Yes, right. Yeah. And you sit on the ground with that. That's big. That's big with the kids. They love those. The kids these days. Yeah, they love like those. That. Yeah. <laughs> stadium seat. It's like a stadium <laughs> seat. Look oh at, my! Can we take a minute to appreciate um, uh, ZZ Top's uh, crazy bass here that he's playing with? Um, ZZ Top is announcing their 2024 European tour. It's first time in five years for them. Uh, Norway, Denmark, Germany, France, Switzerland. Uh, Billy Gibbons, uh, they're paying tribute to the late Dusty Hill. 
um, their uh, their drummer. Um, and so yeah, it's uh, kind of a cool little tour that they're going on here. All UK dates in June and July of next year uh, for ZZ Top. Probably one of the last times that they're going to tour the UK, I would imagine. They're probably reaching the end. So don't miss them if you can. They put on a cool live show. Cool dudes, man. All right, what do we got next? Rock news. Okay, so this was big announcement this week. Dillinger Escape Plan booking a 2024 reunion show with their original vocalist, Dimitri Minakakis, celebrating the 25th anniversary of their debut album, Calculating Infinity. Uh, Dillinger Escape Plan been around for a while. Uh, that album in 1997 it came out, and uh, it's it's pretty neat that they're kind of revisiting this. That was a good era for them from 97 to 2001. Is when the original vocalist was in the group, right? And he left, hasn't been in the group since. And now coming back to celebrate this um, new album, he was succeeded by this guy Greb Pucciato, I think, or Pucciato, I don't know, who sang the rest of the albums until they disbanded in 2017. So they haven't been active since 2017 at all as a group. Been about six years. And now they're going to be getting their original vocalist back and doing that original album. So just off of hearing that kind of stuff, what do you think about that situation? Sounds like Greg couldn't cut the mustard. I guess not, huh? The uh, He was with them for about 16 years, though. Yeah, 16 years. That's weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to say, that's that's like uh, makes you wonder like why Minikakis... Left well, in the first place. And here's another interesting thing. Founding guitarist Ben Weinman will also p- play the show, as well as bassist Liam Wilson, who joined the group in 2000. Drummer Billy Reimer joined in 2009. All three remained in the band until they split. So it's kind of like they got an all-over-the-place kind of lineup here. That was like a reunion. Eras. Yeah. Yep. Um, so they all commented on the reunion. Uh, they were, you know, obviously very excited about it, said, Maybe there was just that one guy in there that like people were like, oh, I just don't want to. And then it could have been. Know. Maybe it was the lead singer. I don't know. Maybe he was very controlling. Didn't no. want anything, you know. Uh, but he says, you know, uh, in the statement, it's been a long time coming. Having the chance to celebrate 25 years of calculating infinity with my closest friends in life is just a dream turned real. I'm looking forward to seeing all the old faces as well as the new ones. Always been more than just a band. We're a force of nature. Reunion shows our way of thanking the fans who have stood by us in the album we made in a small basement in New Jersey all those years ago. So pretty cool. I like it when yeah. you know original lineups are still there, and uh, it seems like it's all on good terms and for the right reasons so far. So good for them. Uh, they got a lot of shows lined up. Tickets are on sale now. Uh, Mick Mars from Motley Crue. Selling, uh, sharing another solo single song from his new solo project, Right Side or Wrong, which is going to be coming out apparently in February. He commented about the debut solo album, says, quote, People are going to hear my tone, my sound. I am what I am. No one else can do it. And like everyone, I've got a limited number of years, so I'm going to do all I can to do a lot of stuff. And I feel like this is a lot of the stuff that he could never really do with Motley Crue. Because Motley Crue is such a like, nah, that's not cool enough, or that's not the image of Motley Crue. And I feel like somebody with like Mick Mars, who has probably a pretty good musical background, and I feel like he was being kind of stifled with Motley Crue a little bit, and maybe this is his chance to kind of branch out and do what he's always wanted to do, you know? Yeah, that seems likely because, I mean, of any band, Motley Crue is so, like, branded. Yep, like Kiss. You know? Yeah, they have that brand that, that they have to kind of 
Yep. You know, even like thematically oriented albums All that. and yep. stuff like that, you know. It's, if it's not part of the crew image or the yeah. crew wheelhouse, then I'm sure that they don't want to do it. So, you know, it's it, I like to hear this kind of stuff because me it gives me, you know, a little hope that we're going to see more depth to this, you know, side of him. So, and I like the album too. The album name is like that, The Other Side of Mars. So, I feel like he's kind of playing into that, you know. So it's coming out February 23rd, guys. He's got a release date finally for that new album. So February 23rd, new album from Mick Mars coming out. Speaking of new albums, uh, there's a new version of the Rolling Stones' new album, Hackney Diamonds. I don't know if you remember a, a little while back, they did a launch event at this small club called Racket in New York City where they played the album in its entirety. They also included some other tracks um, like Shattered Tumbling Dice. They did one with Lady Gaga. Sweet Sounds of Heaven. Uh, it's This is the live recording from that show now. So they've released this as a live double CD um, that has the original studio album, but also these um, live tracks uh, with Lady Gaga and, you know, just live recordings in New York City on the album as well. So pretty cool that they did that. I, I was wondering why they were kind of making such a big deal out of that live show in New York City and turns out that's why because they were recording an album so everybody that was there in that crowd is on that album pretty cool uh, so there you go check that one out what else we got Willie Nelson we were saying off the air how impressive it is that Willie Nelson has reached this 90 year milestone still able to perform this is from earlier this year in April 29th and 30th it was recorded at the Hollywood Bowl and look at this list of, you know, who's who. Who's who, yeah. Steven Stills, Neil Young, Keith Richards, Cheryl Crow, Snoop Dogg, George Strait, Chris Stapleton, Emma Lou Harris, Dave Matthews, Nathaniel Rateliff. So many other people on here. Uh, Billy Strings, Beck, Bob Weir, Tom Jones, The Lumineers, Roseanne Cash, Sturgill Simpson. So many people. So they made this into an event, uh, and rightfully so. Uh, we are going to get it on Blu-ray as well as Paramount Plus. It's called Long Story Short, featuring 39 performances from these concerts over two nights, including the full cast renditions of On the Road Again and Happy Birthday at the end, which is pretty cool. It's being released as a two-CD plus Blu-ray edition and digitally. And uh, it, it's going to be airing, actually, as we're recording this, it's on Sunday, December 17th. Tonight, it will be airing on CBS. 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Pacific. Guest performers, you know, as I just went through the whole list, we're going to see the whole show uh, tonight on CBS. And then it'll be available on demand on Paramount+. Plus. So if you guys want to watch all of that, apparently uh, Woody Harrelson, Chelsea Handler, Ethan Hawke, and a bunch of others make appearances as well. What do you think about that? I mean, that that is really cool. It makes I, it's like ninety years old. I was trying. I was thinking in my mind, would this be the coolest birthday, or would it be weird? And I'm I, from know, whose I'm, perspective? From, from Willie's. From Willie's perspective, right? it would be pretty cool. I mean, it's like because you think about it sometimes. You're like, yeah, I want to have like a big, right, a big birthday party or whatever. Um, I wonder how close of friends he is with all these folks. I imagine at least half of them he's probably pretty good friends with. Um, yeah. Some of them maybe not so much, maybe more of like label mates or people that just respect him. But I'd imagine he's pretty, 
pretty friendly with a lot of these people. Uh, I, I've definitely seen those videos with him and Snoop Dogg. Yeah. You know, they get along great. They smoke but, together. But uh, but Snoop Dogg isn't smoking anymore. No, that was all a, that was all a ploy. Was it now? Yeah. Did you see the end of that? No. What happened? It was for a a, a fucking smokeless stove that he was promoting. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. He was like, oh yeah, I'm going smokeless. I'm not smoking anymore or something. Or I'm I'm. I think his phrasing no of the no more smoking. No, but it was like his phrasing said something like, "I'm going smokeless." Like it was. If you look back on his tweets, I'm going smoke free or whatever it was. It wasn't like I'm stopping smoking weed. He never what said that. What a tricky that. fellow. Yeah. And it was all a ploy for this little stove. It's a camping stove that's supposedly a smokeless camping stove <laughs> that you can like roast marshmallows on and like cook stuff. And yeah, that's what he was promoting. So he's pretty darn clever. So is that Snoop going out camping with uh, <laughs> Willie? He takes the smokeless. I guess so. Uh, so there you go. All Watch right, let's get to the Grammys. To be Cowboys. Let's get the Grammys going here. 2024 Grammy Awards happening Sunday, February 4th. Los Angeles Crypto.com Arena broadcast on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. Let's get into the 2024 Grammy nominations in the rock and alternative category. So I have these queued up on YouTube. I'm going to try and do my best to play a little bit of these for you guys. It's probably not going to come through audio-wise. I'll just tell you right now, uh, for everybody listening on the podcast, it's probably not going to come through audio-wise. If you want to hear these, it's probably best to go to the YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com, at Rock News Weekly. But then again, they might DMCA this and kind of mute this stuff out. So just a heads up, fair warning. If you're watching us live, twitch.tv slash rocknewsweekly, that's the best way to do it because we can do this live. And then after the fact, they mute it. So another reason to watch this on our Twitch channel sometimes. So let's go through these tracks. I have them all queued up. We got best rock performance category up first here. So we're going to do Arctic Monkey, Sculpture of Anything Goes. Black Pumas, More Than a Love Song, Boy Genius, Not Strong Enough, Foo Fighters Rescued, Metallica Lux Eterna. So off of those choices, before we even delve into them or listen to them, is there any off of there that you think would be the winner out of that category, in your opinion, without you listening know, to them first? I don't know. No? Can't make no, a... I couldn't make a decision. There's some of them that I haven't heard. All right, well, let's listen to them. And then we'll we'll wager our, our guesses, all right? So I think we got first up is Arctic Monkeys. So uh, let me uh, get this going here. It may take a minute for this stuff to load because I have so many tabs open. I hope it doesn't ruin my stream. We're going to watch that trailer later too, the Beverly Hills Cop one. All right, here it is. This is Arctic Monkeys sculpture uh, Sculptures of Anything Goes. First, like, 15 seconds here. me like i think that one's like just like kind of a dud to me like it's kind of softer slower i don't know i don't feel like it's kind of rocking as the kids say these days it's a vibe it's a vibe yeah i mean it is kind of like a, a i mean it's track, a very right? sort of it reminds me of a wes anderson movie right <laughs> it's like check it out like look how ironically you know, in the 70s we can be. Yeah. Or whatever. That's a good point. All right, let's let's uh, let's listen to another one. This is Black Pumas, More Than a Love Song. 
I kind of dig this one. I was listening to this one before. All right, so there you go. That's a little preview of that one. I, I dig that. Yeah, that's a good one. Pretty good. All right, Black Pumas there. Let's move on to the next one. This is Boy Genius Not Strong Enough. Not bad, pretty cool. Uh, kind of like an indie kind of wistful, yeah, nostalgic. The video is pretty cool. It shows them yeah. like in some uh, like kind of a boardwalk or Santa something Cruz like that. Beach boardwalkish yeah. place. All right, uh, Foo Fighters. Here's rescued. All right, there question. You go. Yes. Are the awards for the? They're just for the song. Not yes. For the video. Yes. I was gonna say because that one is not. <laughs> the video is not, not very good. good. <laughs> not very good video. <laughs> but probably the one of the stronger songs I think in the category. I think that one's got a real chance, especially that was the first single after the passing of Taylor uh, in the band yeah. that they released. So that you know that might be part of it. And then the last one in the category here is Metallica with their Lux Eterna official video. All right, classic Metallica stuff there. So out of those five that we listened to, what do you think, David? So What's your what do favorite? I what do I like? Yeah, the just most? your personal. Just you know. I would say I like the Black Pumas. The Black Pumas song, yeah, I agree. That's a good one. I I think Foo Fighters probably has a chance at winning it, but I think my personal out of all of those would be uh, the Black uh, Black Pumas more than a love song. But yeah, the I mean they're all genius good. one. The Boy Genius one is kind of, uh, I guess, kind of surprising. That it's in that, that category. In there. Yeah, know? I think that's kind of borderline alternative. Uh, same thing with the Arctic, Arctic Monkeys. Monkeys too. I feel like that's yeah. uh, an alternative track. But, you know, I mean, you could even say that about Black Pumas, too. Um, I feel like those are kind of alternative bands. They're not really ones that we play on rock radio too much. But Well, they're kind of like they remind me of, like, the Chambers Brothers or something like that. Yeah. Like, in the sense of it being rock, but more f sort of funk and soul yep. type type yep. rock. You know? Not to straightforward like heavy heavy rock. Alright, so that's what we're gonna get into now kind of with these best metal performance tracks. Okay? So the disturbed one is pretty generic disturbed stuff. We'll just play it for you, but I mean it's like pretty um pretty predictable stuff here. Let's just play it. It's called Bad Man. Uh oh. Is it, it's William Shatner's The Bad Man? It <laughs> does kind of look like him. Is it not? It's animated. Oh, and Billy Corgan. All right. I don't know. I think is, that, is that not William Shatner? It does kind of look like him. I don't know. <laughs> it's not meant to be. I think they're meant to just be like a generic politician. Generic politician. I, I don't know, but that's disturbed Batman. I don't think that's going to win. I hope it doesn't. I'm yeah. <laughs> to be honest, funny hell, funny hell. I, I hope that does not converge. win. I kind of like this one from Ghost. This is Phantom of the Opera. Yes. I like the guitar work on it. I like the the sound of it. It's a pretty cool track. It's so true to form, you know. Yep. All right, so that's Ghost. Pretty cool track there. I think that's one of the top ones in the category, but let's listen to the other ones here. There's another Metallica track for best metal performance. This time, it's for another track called 72 Seasons. It's dedicated to the Simpsons. 
How many years they've been yeah, on the 72 air? Seasons. <laughs> All right. I mean, you get the point there. Yeah. Kinda, it it, yeah, it picks up. Yeah. Dirty things, you know. <laughs> like All right. Black splatters and things. Slipknot, Hive Mind. This one is up for best metal performance. Let's see here. Creepy Slipknot video. Yeah. yeah. Pokey. Let's see if I can get to the yeah. actual stuff here. Man. The riveter in there. Those blast beats there are pretty pretty good. I don't know why they would get rid of uh Yeah, we talked about that yeah, last drummer, week. Right? Yeah, I don't know, man. All right, so there's Slipknot. I mean, that's a pretty heavy track. That's probably the heaviest track in this category, I would say, because here's the last one. Uh, this is one of my favorite tracks uh, in terms of a new band, and I, I'm really excited to see that they got the nomination. These guys have been around for a little while, but they're new to me, and they hit rock radio with this track. And I thought it was one of the coolest tracks of the year for like some of these kind of songs. And it's exciting to see them in the Grammy nominations for it. I didn't think it would get a Grammy. I mean, I, th I thought that it was a great track. And I'm like, this is a good song. But I didn't think it would get the nod. So very cool for them. So here's Spirit Box with Jaded. And we'll play a little bit of this one. It's a female singer, and she's pretty good. So pretty good stuff. She's she screams pretty pretty gnarly too. Watch. Let me fast forward to the part where the heavy vocals start setting in. She has these really nice. I like the 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 contrast of very nice like kind of vocals and then very heavy extreme vocals. And she's able to do both, which is pretty impressive. So it's a cool blend of uh, you know kind of mainstream but also kind of heavy and a little bit underground. So good for them. They're kind of an unknown band, I, I think, in that category. No one knows who they are. Yeah, where are they from? Um, I don't know. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Um, I, they're a U.S. band. I know that. Oh, okay. Um, but I don't know where they're from. They're and they're. I was gonna guess that they were from like Sweden. Oh, or like UK like or something. I don't yeah. know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I think they're a U.S. band. Um, all right. So best rock song. We already heard Boy Genius, Not Strong Enough, and Foo Fighter Rescue. Those are also in this category for best rock song. Um, now we're gonna play a couple more. Olivia Rodrigo, Queens of the Stone Age, and then Rolling Stones are up for uh, Grammys in this category. So first up is Olivia Rodrigo with Ballad of a Homeschooled Girl. Here it is. I dig this one. I thought it was a pretty good track. All right, so I don't want to play too much, but get DMCA'd. But what do you think of that one, Olivia Rodrigo? Um, in honor of my daughter it sounds wonderful <laughs> something your daughter would like right yeah um all right here's another one from queens of the stone age emotion sickness this one up for best rock song all right there you go kind of a weird one from queens of the stone age i feel like that one's not i don't know we don't we didn't even get that serviced as a single in radio i don't know really yeah i don't know how that one got the nod for grammy and the other one the paper machete didn't but i like that one yeah emotion sickness 
Um, all right, so here's Angry from the Rolling Stones. This is their latest. Feel good. All right, so there you go. Classic Rolling Stones stuff, though. Very cool to see them still, like, active and, you know, making music. It's their first album in almost 20 years. Um, and I, I feel like they're, it's, they're still true to themselves, right? They're still the Rolling Stones. What do you it's think? Got of a it? good feeling. Too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, now we got into another category here. So now we're into best rock. Well, let's just do the best rock album. I didn't want to pick songs from those, um, but we have Greta Van Fleet, Starcatcher, Foo Fighters. But here we are, Metallica, Seventy Two Seasons, Paramore. This is why Queens of the Stone Age, In Times New Roman. Out of those rock albums, what's your personal? What do you think would be the winner? The winner? Yeah. Or the best. I well, I feel like uh I feel like Foo Fighters is cuz I mean, I don't know how they do the I don't know how they do the actual like scoring and things like that. I don't know. I know that a lot of these these things are kind of weird. They like are. I have a friend who was they are. who was all who was almost nominated for um an Oscar. Oh wow. He, he's a filmmaker. And I found out how it all works, and I was like, wait, so basically it's just like who has like a rich studio and like they pay this and they yep. do that thing. So from that, I would I would always guess it's like Metallica or Foo Fighters because they're like such big names. It's a good, you know, and they yeah, already maybe point. have that pull. Yeah. But it, for what I like, yeah, I like the Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, there, Queens of the right? Stone Age. It was a good new album from yeah. them too. I think that Paramore album was actually surprisingly pretty good. And I'd like to see a new band like Greta Van Fleet. I think maybe Paramore might be quite good. I just couldn't admit it. Right. I have like a weird thing. About <laughs> oh, yeah. It. Maybe it's like misogyny or something. Hey, I don't know what it you is. Know. Uh, and Greta Van Fleet, I feel like that album, out of all the ones that I've listened to, is their weakest album. So I don't want them to win it because I feel like that's a, a shitty album. In, Which in one? My, the Starcatcher, their latest oh, album, oh, the one okay. that's up. There's only one song on there that we got serviced as a single, uh, The Falling Sky, and it was a good single. But I feel like their albums in the past were better. I don't feel like this one is like Grammy worthy, my opinion of that band. Um, but who knows? We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Um, best alternative music performance. These are our last videos that we're gonna play. Okay, these are alternative artists, guys. So we're gonna do always or always. 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 It has two double V's for always. Okay, so here's Belinda says. Alternative stuff here, guys. Pretty good stuff. I like yeah. I like that group. Yeah, I played them a lot on the garage before on our indie show on the on the bear, and they've always come through with some pretty good stuff. So that's a that's a strong one. Um, let's see what Arctic Monkeys. They got another track here. It's called Body Paint. Let's see what this one's about. About this. <laughs> I like this one more than the last one. All right, there we go. Don't want to get DMCA'd. You what familiar with uh, Jack Stauber? Jack Stauber, no. Um, Does it sound similar to that? Yeah, you ever heard of a song called Hamantha? Uh-uh. Okay. Well, I'm getting, a, I'm catching, like, 2000 and, you know, 10s, 11s or something right. like that. I'm catching a lot of Jack Stauber vibes from, from like, and I feel like that. the Arctic Monkeys, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like they've kind of changed their sound 
like from the stuff that I remember, it was like real raw guitar, kind of like you know, almost like independent indie stuff, like the Black Keys. Yeah. And now it's like it's almost like he's trying to do this. I feel like he's sort like sort of like a nostalgic on yeah, purpose. retro sort of. Like he's trying to be like I can't put my finger on that type of a singer, but th- there's certain artists like the way that you're thinking of like what is that that he's like going for there vocally, you know? Yeah. I feel like he must be inspired by something in his personal life and he's Well, and even the through. the video and the yeah. aesthetic in the video yeah. is very sort of like retro Napoleon Dynamite kind <laughs> of, right. like, of feeling, you know? A lot of these videos are like that, like um, these indie indie kind of groups, they are like that. Let's get to the next one. It's Boy Genius Cool About It. Here's another one from them. Lovely. Cool little animated video. All right, so there you go. What do you think of that one? Kind of an indie, slower track. I don't that, know. That's a, that, that would be nice if I'd like... That'd be a good song to listen to if I didn't have a girlfriend. <laughs> if you're depressed. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It sounds very depressing. Here's Lena Del Rey with another one, A&W, that's up for Best Alternative Song. I think this is kind of another slow one. I don't think Lana Del Rey has anything fast. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Good stuff. I mean, yeah, she's I got like an amazing voice. She's got really a good voice, so pretty impressive there. Paramore, here's their uh, latest. This is why. This is up for best alternative track. I thought this was a pretty cool track when I was listening to it, and it didn't sound like stuff that I thought would be from Paramore. I thought the video was kind of neat, too. It's almost shot like a movie in a way. You were saying like yeah. a Wes Anderson thing, and I kind of yeah, like. Yeah, this is like. I thought this was kind of very similar to that. This is the style now. This is the aesthetic. I don't mind it. All right, so there you go. It's Paramore. This is why. That's all the tracks there. What do you think out of that bunch? Um, I like those actually. I think I, I, I immediately immediately I was like, wow. I think I I'm gonna say all days was my favorite. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I liked all those pretty much. Yeah, they were all pretty good. So there you go. Those are your best alternative music performance nominees. Best alternative music album album nominees are Arctic Monkeys, The Car, Boy Genius, The Record, Gorillas, Cracker Island, Lena Del Rey. Did you know that there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? PJ Harvey, I inside the old year dying. Very cool for her. P.J. Harvey. Yeah. Yay. Why didn't we see her in the actual song nominees, though? I wonder, you know? Hmm. Same thing with Gorillaz. Nothing with the song nominee, but the album got nominated, right? Um, okay, these are non-rock general categories. Record of the year. Out of these here, uh, let me know what your favorite is and what you think will win. Billie Eilish, What Was I Made For? Boy Genius, Not Strong Enough, John Baptiste, Worship, Miley Cyrus, Flowers, Olivia Rodrigo, Vampire, SZA, Kill Bill, Taylor Swift, Antihero, Victoria Monet, On My Mama. Record of the Year. What are you going to choose? 
out of those, <laughs> to be honest, I, I'm going to pick the person I think is maybe the most musician out of them. I'd pick John Baptiste. In terms of musicianship, I feel like that's maybe one of the better ones out of them. I, I'm not familiar with the other ones, to be honest. I, I haven't listened to any of those albums, so I don't know. I Isn't the Miley Cyrus one the... Uh is that the uh, perfume ad? It's all flowers <laughs> and no stuff. I, yeah, probably. And it has a similar thing to all the others, where it's like a very Wes yeah. Anderson looking. It's probably kind of thing. yeah. I but I haven't heard any of it, so I don't, I don't know. I would guess John Baptiste, just me. But I mean, I guess I'm just having a hard time because I haven't paid enough attention to this, and yeah. now I'm coming to the realization <laughs> that 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 old sort of like aesthetic that I used to go, oh man, it's so cool when I see that. Now it's 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 everywhere. Yep. So it's like not as it's I guess it's cool. not as yeah it's not as I used to get the warm fuzzies. Right. Right. Because it was like seeing stuff from when I was a kid. Yeah. But now it's like yeah that's what they're gonna give to us in yeah. large amounts. It's yeah. not as <laughs> yeah it's not as exciting when I see it now because it's like a nostalgia trip or whatever you know. Yeah. Like that '60s like in the Paramore thing where they'd yeah. like do the camera angle yeah. and go up and yep. that was like that sort of '60s. Yep. That's what's popular right know, now. Late '60s sort they're of. They're re recycling it for the new generation that never saw Introducing that stuff. Introducing it. To yeah. Them. yeah. And, then, and then now they're gonna go like, where did they get inspired from that from? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember watching the Beastie Boys video um, for Gratitude in the '90s. And it was like they were it was showing them and they were like jamming with their amps and stuff like that. Well, it was based on a Pink Floyd video The Pink Floyd did a live and pump. Yeah. And I didn't know it at that time, but I, I realized it later. I'm like, oh, that's where they got that from. They got that from the Pink Floyd video live in Pompeii. Beastie Boys watched it. They did their own version of it in the 90s. And I'm sure that generation was saying the same thing that our generation is saying now. Right. So yeah. every generation has that realization time where they like they all make a video appreciate the the past yeah and the new for the new generation right? and their videos all end up looking like hr puff and stuff <laughs> right <laughs> all right so album of the year boy genius the record uh janelle monet the age of pleasure john baptiste world music radio lena del rey miley cyrus olivia rodrigo sizza taylor swift pretty much the same song of the year is pretty much the same Except for Dua Lipa's Dua in there. Add a Dua Lipa in there. Um, and then Best New Artist. Coco Jones, Gracie Abrams, Fred again, Ice Spice, Jelly Roll, Noah Kahn, Victoria Monet, and The War and Treaty. Now, with those, I know Ice Spice is that rapper lady. I don't I don't think that's she's like a Grammy Award winner. Jelly Roll, he's had like Redemption. He's radio friendly and stuff like that. I could see him probably maybe winning that. Noah Kahn, that was the guy that I was telling you about that has that kind of indie kind of sound. Um, he hosted SNL. He, he wasn't the host, but he was on SNL a couple weeks back. Okay. He's starting to blow up. Um, How about Victoria Monet? I don't know who that don't is. Don't know who that is. Don't know who the Warren Treaty is. Don't know these top three. Do you? Fred again. Do you know any of those? Coco Jones. Gracie Abrams, Fred again? I have no idea. I'll so, have to uh, do some research. I guess I would say either Jelly Roll or Noah Khan winning that. I don't know, based off of my limited knowledge. All right, well, we got some birthdays, and uh, there's a lot of them. All right, so we got to get to them. So let's let's get it going. December is the time for birthdays. I guess so. It is. It is baby-making time. It, it Well, uh, let's see. What month would that be? <laughs> like, yeah. So it's, it, it, it was baby-making time. Fantastic. That Wonderful. sounded really kind yeah. of cool, though. Uh, all right. Well, let's go back to that. Uh, my, I don't know why that lagged out so bad. 
Rock Birthdays. David, would you mind taking it away? I have All righty. So we've got Tom DeLong, singer and guitarist, of, uh, formerly of Blink-182, and Angels and Airwaves is 48 years old. Jeff Skunk Baxter, former guitarist uh, of Steely Dan and the Doobie Brothers, uh, and sometimes employed as a national defense advisor, which is pretty ins insane to think about, is 75 years old. Ted Nugent, who I would I would have, you know, thought would be more likely to be uh, employed as a sometimes national defense advisor, uh, guitarist, but but instead is just a guitarist and reality show TV star, and you know I think gun enthusiast and all that kind of stuff, um, is 75 years old. Amy Lee, singer of Evanescence, who we just saw, is 42 years old. Uh, Cliff Williams. Bassist of ACDC is 74. Paul Simonon, bassist of The Clash, is 68. Uh, Carmine Appice, drummer of Vanilla Fudge, also worked with Jeff Beck and Eddie Money. Ted Nugent, Pink Floyd, and Rod Stewart is 77. Billy F. Gibbons, singer and guitarist of ZZ Top, is 74. Paul Rogers, singer from uh, Free, Bad Company, the Firm, The Law, Queen, and Paul Rogers is 74. <clears throat> Mike Mills, bassist of R.E.M. is 65. Here, let me help you out. I'll do another chunk here. All righty. December 18th, we had DJ, DJ Lethal from Limp Bizkit. Uh, he's 51. Uh, December 18th, Elliot Easton from The Cars is 70. Also on the 18th, Keith Richards from The Stones is 80. December all, 19th. Huh? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, December 19th, Doug Johnson from Loverboy is 66. The 20th, uh, Chris Robinson from the Black Crows, 57. Alan Parsons, 75. Peter Chris, 78. Uh, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick on the 22nd, uh, 75. Eddie Vedder on the 23rd, 57. Dave Murray from Iron Maiden, 65 on the 23rd. Adrian Ballou as well, 74. Jorma Kalkinen from Jefferson Airplane is 83. And wow. he just performed with Hot Tuna like a couple weeks ago at the Fillmore in San Francisco. He's still up there doing it. Pretty amazing. Wow. Mary Ramsey from 10,000 Maniacs is 60. Ian Burden from Human League is 66. Noel Hogan from the Cranberries is 52. He was born on Christmas Day. Chris Daughtry after that, 44 on the 26th, as well as Peter Collette from Candlebox is 54. Jay Younger from White Zombie uh, is 56. Lars Ulrich from Metallica is 60 on the 26th. 27th, couple, uh, four of them here. David Knopfler from Dire Straits, 72. Terry Bozio from Missing Persons, amazing drummer, 73. Larry Byram from Steppenwolf, 75. Mick Jones from Foreigner, 79. Edgar Winter was born on the 28th. He is 77 this year. Glenn Phillips, Toe the Wet Sprocket is 53. Jeff Lynn, ELO, Traveling Woolberries, 76. He's born on the 30th, along with Davy Jones from The Monkees, 78. Then we got some New Year's Eve birthdays. Scott Ian from Anthrax is 60. Paul Westerberg from The Replacements, 64. Tom Hamilton, Aerosmith, 72. Burton Cummings from The Guess Who, 76. And Andy Summers from The Police is 81. <laughs> That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? And look at all these birthdays in the rock world, man. I couldn't believe it. I, I Normally I get pictures, guys, for all these, but I just didn't. I couldn't do it. <laughs> My birthday is on the 29th. And see, you're right in there. You're right That's, in the mix. That's because I'm... You have the it's same the, birthday as the, Glenn Phillips from Toad the Wet Sprocket. How cool the, is that? Uh, huh? That's because the 
the uh, astrology of it all, you know? Right. It makes people into into rock and roll enthusiasts. That's right. Uh, all right, we got some trivia. You guys ready for some trivia? Let's see if this plays right. Nope, it's not going to play right. Fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes, lovely. This week in rock and roll history trivia. All right, you ready, guys? This week, uh, this artist became the first to be arrested mid-performance, December 9th, 1967, in New Haven, Connecticut. Who was it? Was it A, Jerry Garcia, B, Grace Slick, C, Jim Morrison, or was it D, Rootin' Tootin' Pistol Shootin' Crosby and the Cocaine Creeps of Connecticut? Very short-lived band. It was a violent band. It got shut down multiple times. Yeah, right in the middle of show. Yeah, couldn't put on a show anywhere. Freak, man. In New Haven, Connecticut? I mean, the cocaine creeps of Connecticut were a notorious bunch. And for David Crosby to bring them on stage, you know, just... 67, man. They were already getting that good, that fine Peru, <laughs> Peruvian flavor. I guess it was a little early for that, for that but yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, they must have got the he was the pi- They were the pioneers. The they were the pioneers. <laughs> <laughs> they had to shoot their way into it. That's right. They were, they were rooting and tooting. Okay, let's see. Um, <laughs> New Haven, Connecticut. I'm going to go with Jim Morrison. Oh, my God. Jim Morrison, yes. Yeah, yeah. it's got to be Jim. It's definitely Jim Morrison. Got to be. You are Look absolutely correct. That. Look at the mugshot. Look at him. He's all dead in his eyes. Yeah. Looks got all, those dead eyes. He's, that's why he got arrested. Yep. Got those dead eyes. So what happened? Well, here it is. I got the whole story here oh, for you. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. So police officer found him backstage with a young girl and maced him. So this is how it all happened. So this lady, Sandy Spudnik. Spudnik? An 18-year-old student at Southern Connecticut State College looking for some privacy. They end up in the bathroom next to one of the dressing rooms, which is occupied by one of the opening acts that night, Tommy and the Rivieras. They don't recognize Morrison, and when they ask him to leave, he responds, fuck you. Band member Tommy Jeanette summons a cop to remove the couple, and he doesn't recognize Morrison either. They're like, who is this guy? According to Jeanette, the exchange takes place. Cop, this is your last chance to leave peacefully. Morrison, this is your last chance to eat me. The officer officer maces Morrison, who is handcuffed, but when the cops realize who it is, they let him go, telling him he can perform, but would be arrested after the show. For for what, though? I know. Well, he accelerates that process when he takes the stage and launches into a profanity-filled rant about the incident, including an interlude to Backdoor Man. The three cops go on stage and arrest him on stage, telling him, you've gone too far. In Morrison's arrest report, You Jeanette, can't say cuss words. <laughs> Jeanette is listed as the complainant because he alerted the cop. He's charged with breach of peace, resisting arrest, and performing an indecent and immoral exhibition. He pays the $7,500 bond on the spot as his manager <laughs> has the money in his wallet. An indecent and immoral exhibition. The mugshot lists the date as December 10th because it was taken after midnight. The song Peace Frog, he references the incident with the line, Blood in the streets of the town of New Haven. So he gave it a little reference there. So there you go. There he is. What a, I thought what they a were. Yeah, I thought they were gonna get him for like soliciting a minor or something. She was first. 18 though. Yeah, I know. It's a good point, right? 
disturbing the peace. They just didn't like what he was doing, and he was bad-mouthing the cops. Yeah, yeah. Sounds pretty arbitrary. I know. To be honest with you. Yep. When you look back on it in the context of it, you're like, Free Jim. They stopped the show for that yeah. in the middle of it. Free Jim. That's all I can <laughs> Free say. Free Jim. <laughs> yeah. All right. New rock and metal albums out this week and a couple other uh, regular rock albums. So let's go through with them. Alrighty. December 15th, we got Black Flow, Seeds yep. of Downfall, Capsule, Ferex EP, Children of Bottom. Yeah, Children of Bodom. Bodom, okay. These guys are good. They're one of my favorite kind of... Uh, metal extreme metal groups and this is from their final show in Helsinki in Sweden in 2019 um, and it's a live live recording so that where they're from or? no I don't think uh, you know what that's a good question I don't know where they're from I should look that up I have no idea well I think Bodum I think he's uh, he's he's from Sweden the good old and they're his kids the go- was like the the god of the underworld Bodum, or something Odum like <laughs> Bodum, oh no, Odin. Odin. Scrotum? Wait, no. <laughs> Bodum, Odum, and Scrotum. They're the three all, gods. Right? The underworld. Right? The undercarriage. The god of, one is the god of the undercarriage. The all right, this is, is my favorite uh, band name of the list today. <laughs> Cryptworm. Cryptworm. Oozing radioactive vom- vomition. Vomition. <laughs> that See, great? that's what I love. Isn't that great? It reminds me of like a Jerry Springer episode when they just have people with new vocabulary words. Vomition. Vomission. Yeah. Empire of Euphrates. Echoes of ancient past. Very, very regal. Um, Evergrey. From Dark Discoveries to Heartless Portraits. That's nice. Horrifier. Horrid Resurrection. Is that yeah? Is that like a what's the name of that movie? The Terrifier. Oh yeah, the terror yeah Terrifier. Uh, have you seen Terrifier? Any of Terrifier that? Two. I have not. I I had a student who really was very yeah. fond of that movie, and she I, told me a little bit about it. And I thought, my gosh. No, it's like that's the one that we were talking about where, where people, people were vomiting, throwing yeah, up. Yeah, the, yeah. They told me. She told me like one of the <laughs> things that happens, and I was like, my gosh. Yeah, it's it's pretty visceral. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Mavis, grief is no ally. Okay, okay. I'm gonna say Mavis. That's that's a good. That's just classic and simple. Just yeah. you know, good to the fashion. point. <laughs> um, Ritzovs, de tag not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Strigampire. Okay. It's like a vampire with this, I guess, uh, with Strigonona. All to dominate. Therion, Leviathan three. Warco, a place for demons. Witch snake. Oh yeah, death like cult of the snake. I like that too. Witch snake. Yeah, death cult of the snake. That's uh, that's that's one of uh, that's Taylor a family Swift's album. other. Yeah, projects. that's a, this Taylor Swift side project. Yeah, that's one of her side projects. Um, Mac DeMarco, he's a cool dude, alternative kind of guy. This is a really crazy release that he has. It's 199 songs on a Blu-ray disc. What? Yeah, it's pretty wild. I don't One know. One Wayne G. I don't know if it's a compilation of a lot of the stuff that he's done or if it's like a full on album, but pretty cool that he's doing yeah, that. Yeah, 199 songs. That's way cool. <laughs> all right, what else we got? We got uh, Atronos. This is all coming out on December 22nd and 29th. These next albums, these are the last ones of the year, guys. Atronos Erwaken, Burgreason, Die Fale. Uh, funeral vomit. That's a great one. 
Mon- Monumental putrescence. That's good, right? Monumental putrescence. <laughs> Funeral vomit. It's fantastic. I like that's a good one. And then this one, just sad. The name of the group is sad. Black metal craft. Ulfar. Or... Or legscaped. All right, I get to read these yeah, ones. Yeah, it's my birthday. It. All right. Domi- uh, Dominum. Hey, living people. Hey. Hey, living people. Right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Lord of the Lost, Weapons of Mass Seduction. Ah. And then next we have Suicide <laughs> Circle, Bukake <laughs> of Souls. <laughs> That's probably the album of the year right there. They waited until December 29th. Why wow. isn't that up for best metal performance? Yeah, really. Or best metal album. Bukaki I'm sure. I mean, <laughs> that's got to be it's on everyone's. Category. Yeah, that's it's a, a different award show, I that's guess. That's got to be on everyone's <laughs> wish list this year. White Death, Iconoclast. Yes. Good stuff, huh? So we got Funeral Vomit on your wish list, Crypt Worm, and then Suicide Circle, Bukaki of Souls. of Souls, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, movie, TV, entertainment, gaming news. Grand Theft Auto 6. They're saying it could break uh, revenue records in the gaming industry, which is pretty wild. Grand Theft Auto uh, 6 is coming out in 2025, and it's already being hyped as probably the biggest media event uh, to happen in quite some time. It's pretty wild. Gra- to, to let you know, like Grand Theft Auto 5, it came out in 2013. And it's still been oh going gosh. strong. It's been 10 years, and that game is still going strong. So for Grand Theft Auto 6 now to be released 12 years after Grand Theft Auto 5, they're saying to call it wildly anticipated is a great understatement. Um, so here it is. They're, they're saying, here's the numbers. Expectations for GTA 6. They're saying... So Grand Theft Auto currently holds the claim to the best opening week sales in video game history since they've wow. been keeping track of this stuff. Earning $1.15 billion in five days. To put that in perspective, Woo. think about some of the movie releases that we see out there. When yeah, you see recently. When you see a movie release like uh, one of the top performing Marvel movies, Spider-Man, for example, one of the best releases or whatever. It was something like 350 million worldwide. And that was within a week time. To get 1.15 billion within five, five days. days. They, people are underestimating the power here of the video game industry when they have these big, big titles like this to come out. They are huge cash cows. And that's... You know- that's just the initial purchase price. It is crazy to think like how little cultural acceptance there is of video, like of video games. Mm-hmm. Not in, in the sense of the, like people actually liking them, but like there being discussion of them. Yep. Right. It's all sort of like you a don't YouTube hear about or it. underground type of thing. Right. And people are. I, I mean, I guess those in the media who could be reporting and talking about this are, are missing it has a stigma uh, video games have uh, uh, you know i come from that generation where people used to say you know oh what are you in your mom's basement you're going nowhere with your life you're playing video games you're never gonna have a job you're a loser all that kind of stuff right that's always been the mentality of the generation i feel like our previous generation our parents so to speak 
the way that they view video games. People or people who play video games. Right? Yeah, or people who play video games are X Y Z. Yeah, yeah, right. Where in fact, really, there is no now. One there's type some of person. No, and there's some of the most successful people out there now. These video gamers are making millions and billions of dollars. The video game industry. Experts projecting the revenues uh, by the end of 2023 this year for the video game industry, $250 billion. It blows Hollywood out of the water. The only one that's even close is Bollywood in India, which actually makes more money than the U.S. Hollywood market. And they're saying that this video game industry blows them all away. And people don't even really realize how much money and interest and, and passion that there is in these games and that's about you know, it's pretty five wild. or six times as much as all of california's agriculture <laughs> right and yet people still have this kind of mentality about video games that it's you know i don't know for the birds or my kid can't can't make a career out of it or whatever the case may I be. i mean say what you may about like the uh, interpersonal effects of people playing video games Sure. There's no, there's no there's no argument as to whether or not it's a formidable economic right component. And a choice right? for people to do as a career now. Like yeah. I wish honestly I could have been brought up it during this time a little bit because I feel like my passion for video games when I was 13 going up to that 20 year mark were was really strong. And if there was a way for me to make money at the time and like train I would have done it. I remember, I don't know if you remember, but Blockbuster had video game tournaments back then in the 90s. And I entered a couple of them. I did horribly. But Blockbuster would have a tournament like once a year at the local Blockbuster by Rayleigh's. i go down there and they'd have this sign up for Sega and for Super Nintendo. And it was the hot games at the time. It was like Mortal Kombat and like um, Madden. And you could play and you would fight, you know, uh, in a battle. And then if you lost, you would get out of the bracket if you moved you would go down the bracket hey you know come to think of it why don't we have events like that around here you know i just saw one that was for the merced soccer association uh the youth soccer association and they did a fifa tournament and uh -huh. it was to raise funds for it uh, for for their merced youth soccer association i'm like this is a great idea yeah, why not that, do this I more think often? you could get a lot of people out for something exactly like that. but it's just becoming mainstream enough now to for that to happen it was never that way. Yeah. And that Blockbuster thing was very unique. It was like, you know, one of a kind. And it was only happening at Blockbuster. That wasn't a mainstream thing, you know? And it wasn't really possible to make money off of that. Like, you would do the, the, the tournament and you'd maybe win a prize, but not like a career. The way that you can go on, on Twitch now and just stream yourself playing a video game, you could get people supporting you for that. So it's yeah. pretty... It's pretty wild, uh, the, the industry as a whole. So I just wanted to shine a light on that and throw some of those numbers out there for people to realize that uh, the gaming industry is, is massive and Grand Theft Auto 6 is going to be one of the biggest things to happen in media in quite some time, and people are really anticipating it. So it's going to be crazy. Billions and billions of dollars. All right. Netflix teaser trailer for Beverly Hills Cop Axel Foley. He's back. And he's Look doing a Netflix that. series. He's coming next year, summer of 2024. Uh, let's watch a little bit of this trailer. And I'm going to set it to where you guys can watch it on our Twitch channel. I'm going to put it up here for you guys. Um, and, and a reminder for everybody listening on the, on the podcast, watch us on the Twitch channel. You can chat with us. 
You can check out a lot of this stuff that we're doing only on the Twitch channel. Um, you know, Twitch makes it easy for us to kind of do this kind of stuff for you. So I, I really enjoy the format. So twitch.tv slash rocknewsweekly. Here's the trailer. think off of this trailer do you think it's kind of a a nostalgic kind of cash grab or do you think that this is going to actually have some substance and be a halfway decent movie what do you think just off of watching it <laughs> be honest i'm gonna go with the the former the nostalgic, <laughs> the cash, nostalgic grab? cash grab yeah that's sadly what i was uh thinking as well um <laughs> You know, I'm a fan of, of uh, Beverly Hills Cop, and it kind of goes back to what we were saying of, like, some of these things I feel like it's better just, like, let them be, but they're these cash cows that these companies cannot let be, that they see the opportunity to cash in on nostalgia right now. Because they know at least, you know, my generation of the ones who, who saw it in the original instance will at least... They're still alive. Look at it just gonna, to see yeah, what it's like. My you know? generation that grew up on some of these 80s movie reruns, I want to, you know, I'd like yeah. to check it out probably. And then the younger generation that's never heard of What's Axel Foley. What's this all about? Yeah. What's this? Who's Axel Foley? Why? Oh, it's Eddie Murphy. Oh, he did that in the 80s. Oh, okay. And that's what that's. So well, the, what the hell is the matter with them not making a remake of The Golden Child? <laughs> yes, the Dalai Lama movie. The, the, yeah, yeah. What's going on there? Huh? That was a very controversial movie. Was it now? It was banned in Thailand when it came out. Oh yeah, they did yeah. not like that movie. I should know that. I should know that. Yeah, you I should. Didn't. That was banned. <laughs> they didn't like that one. Man, a lot. They thought it was like a disgrace. So I guess that's why they're not remaking it. Yep, it's a probably. Offensive. That's a touchy one. Well, well, well. <laughs> Never mind. All right, news from around the world: Tesla recalling two million vehicles. Nearly every model they've ever put out in the U.S. Well, there you go. Um, apparently, there's an update that's needed for the autopilot software. The government says has caused serious and even deadly crashes. So they've been investigating these. There's been people that have crashed because they said the autopilot was on, whatever. People have died. And they've done the investigation. There's something wrong with the software. So apparently it's uh, uh, um, uh, a thing... I don't know what you call it, like fleet-wide. It's it's the whole fleet. It's every car needs to be updated. Um, pretty wild, huh? Well, I'd say I'm not surprised. It says some safety advocates say the fix is not enough to meet standards found in other vehicles now on the roads. So I guess these, you know, this goes back to like 2012, 2016, 2017 when they were making these. These standards now that they have for the new vehicles coming out is a lot higher. And Tesla's old vehicles do not abide by those standards, I guess. Wow. So in, a, in a nutshell. Pretty wild, huh? Yeah, but I mean, gosh. People actually do the autopilot, huh? That's scary. I, yeah. I, 
You have a Tesla. Yeah, we put on that. Have you ever my tried wife, that? I've done the autopilot for a minute, but I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah, I'm kind of. Well, it, also, too, it's dude. like you have to keep your hands by the steering wheel. So yeah, it's not really like sit back and it's go. It's not to like sleep. you can like really relax or anything. But isn't like, that what people try and do? I don't know. I don't see the point of it. For me, it's like if I don't have my hands on the wheel and I'm like doing something, then I'll fall asleep. So that's crazy. No good. No good. All right. What do you think about this? Scientists combine AI with a mini brain to make a hybrid. Researchers are enhancing AI computing power by combining conventional machine learning with advanced 3D models of the human brain created from different lab-grown brain tissue. These Wait, brain what? What yeah. is going? What is this? Yes, it's an actual little brain. Yes, advanced what 3D models of the human brain created from different lab-grown brain tissues. These brain models, called cerebral organoids, or mini-brains, have been around since 2013, but are now being, being utilized to augment AI. In this approach, traditional computing hardware inputs electrical data into the organoid, decoding its activity to generate an output. What? I want to see a picture. So we got little freaking gobs of gum, probably, yeah. and they got little electrodes into it, and it's tweaking and stuff. I don't like that. Isn't that Do they have teeth? I hope not. Is it like, like Krang? Yeah, like Krang. Krang from uh, Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. It is like Krang, dude. He's gonna be inside that big body. The big body. The, the thing. guy, the big uh, dude. Yep, that's who him. we're gonna have to fight. Oh my Really God. soon. That's cool though. Yeah, yeah. Krang is becoming a reality. Yeah, Krang Very wars. Cool. <laughs> All right, I thought this graphic was uh, kind of interesting, and I wanted to see what you thought of it. The American Dream, they're saying, costs about $3.4 million over a lifetime. They did the data here. This includes expenses associated with marriage, retirement, home ownership, raising two children to the age of 18. However, median lifetime earnings for a typical U.S. worker are only $1.7 million, highlighting the financial challenges many families face. Look so, at the most expensive category in there. So, family health insurance premium. And how much of that will they actually give you? When yeah, you actually, and you actually, you actually use need it. Yeah, yeah, nothing. So it says average cost of a wedding thirty five thousand. Average cost of a home with a mortgage interest seven hundred ninety six thousand. Lifetime car purchase two seventy one. Median out of pocket within cost of two baby deliveries five grand. Average cost of raising two children until age of eighteen five hundred seventy six thousand. Wow, they really suck it out of you. 67000 for pet care. Cost of college tuition for one year, including room and board for two kids, forty grand. Average amount needed to retire, 700000 Average cost of a funeral, 7800 So what do you think of all that? Do you think it's oh accurate? Oh, boy. Do you think it's accurate, or do you think that's overestimating or underestimating? What do you think? I'm going to say... You have kids. I I do have kids, so let's you see. would know, you know, mortgage and interest. Uh I mean, yeah. Shoot, because people will often move to another house, right? So they'll pay on the first house, not quite. Or I feel like this is also like the average cost of the home with the mortgage. I feel like that's a four hundred thousand dollar home. That over time, if you do a thirty-year mortgage, that's yeah, how much paying, you're paying. You're paying the extra. You're almost paying double. 
what the home is, is worth if you just stick to that 30-year mortgage. It's like making the minimum payment. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah, I, yeah don't, don't let me talk too much on this. <laughs> no, please. The, the, yeah, this is, gosh. It's, look at that. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. That's a dream. Yeah, more like a nightmare in a lot of ways. That is just terrible. <sighs> Pretty wild, huh? So let's not dwell on that and get depressed. Um, okay, this is an interesting story. This is the last story of the week. Did you hear about this? This passenger who showed up in L.A. from Denmark has no idea how he got there. And people are saying that he's a spy. His name is Sergei Ochikawa. Ochikawa? Flew to LAX on November 4th. Didn't have a passport. After a search, no passport was found. Not on the passenger manifest. So that's pretty fucking weird. Is that is that him right this there? This is him. This is a picture of him. Look at him. Look at that fellow. Despite not appearing on the manifest for this flight, who according to court documents, he's a dual Russian-Israeli national in his mid-40s. He appeared to make little effort to hide his presence during the roughly 12-hour journey from Copenhagen. Walked around the plane, changed seats, requested two meals, tried to strike up conversations. At one point, even attempted to eat some chocolate belonging to crew members, according to an affidavit filed by FBI agents. So he wasn't trying to, you know, be sneaky. He was walking around acting totally normal, right? Pleaded not guilty uh, to violating a section of the U.S. Criminal Code prevents anyone from boarding or secreting themselves on an airplane without consent of owner person command. Um, he's due in court December 26th. His attorney didn't respond uh, for comment. According to the affidavit, though, so here's where we get to the meat and potatoes here. According to the affidavit filed by FBI, agent, uh, whatever, told this this guy, told her, the FBI agent, and another FBI task force agent in an interview that he hadn't slept for three days and did not understand what was going on. Didn't remember how he got on the plane. Would not explain how or when he got to Copenhagen and what he was doing there. Said he claimed he did not how know how he passed through security checks without a ticket. During the interview, he allowed the agents to briefly scroll through his photos on his phone. The most recent photograph showed television screens displaying flight information for destinations around the world, including Amsterdam, Munich, and London, along with words written in Danish. Another was a screenshot of a man showing a location of a hostel in Kiel, Germany, and maps from another unknown foreign city. The agents applied in the November 6th affidavit for a search warrant for his iPhone in an attempt to piece together his movements, any record of travel documentations. Just off of hearing that, before we continue, what do you think of all that? That's weird. It sounds really suspicious, right? Oh, yeah. Like, he's got pictures of all these other areas, other parts of the world, um, you know, a different language in Danish. Um, he's saying he doesn't... Well, he him no saying, I can't remember. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he's looking at all of these, you know, these other locations. And, but I, mean, I don't know. He, I don't know how I got plan. through. Yeah, I don't know how I, I got here. I don't know. So he told he had FBI agents that he had a Ph.D. in economics and marketing and worked in Russia long ago. Long ago. He doesn't look that old. He's pretty fresh. I know, face. right? He's like 40-something. The affidavit stated that the Scandinavian Airlines flight arrived in L.A. 1 o'clock, showed a man resembling disembarking the aircraft. Presented himself for entry, customs, discovered that he is not listed as a passenger on the flight 
or any other incoming international flight, and he was unable to produce a passport or visa. Pretty crazy, right? He told the officials that he had left his passport on the plane. They couldn't find his passport number listed on their system, as would normally be required for anyone booking a U.S.-bound flight. Border officers searched his bag, found a Russian and Israeli identity documents, but no international passport for either country. No passport was found on the plane either. Isn't that crazy? Mr. Ochigava. He, uh, what are you doing? He took a seat, 36D, that was meant to be unoccupied, but they did not see his boarding pass. Some crew members did not do a head count for their section, but did not tally the numbers up across their aircraft. So it sounds like they weren't doing their job either, yeah. and it kind of sl- and this kind of slipped through. Isn't that crazy? Maybe he's one of those. You know how like uh, companies have spies? Yeah, they have like uh, this is a big thing. Like they have, they'll send out spies for competition. They'll like go right. in and okay and work at companies and steal trade secrets and mm. they'll do all. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff like that that companies will do. Or they'll they'll go into different countries and figure out ways to circumvent regulations and crap like that. <clears throat> Sounds like maybe that's what's going on here. He's like one of these one of these folks. He's trying to point out some. Uh, some major flaw in this. Yeah, maybe you know, he's like a, um, a, a, a a guinea pig for doing something yeah, down like, the yeah, road. Yeah, go in there, do sit in this seat. Yes, know, and do all this and see and what just happens. Show and then act like you don't know. What's yeah, going and then on just say I don't know, I don't remember. That'll get you in the news, and there you go. It's a good and point. It, I mean, man. he looks pretty suspicious. His name is Sergey. You know, so Russian Israeli covered, right? Because if you're on the right, then you're like, oh, he's an Israeli national or no. Sorry. If you're on the left, you're like, oh, yeah. he's an Israeli national. If he's you're on the both r- on the right, you know, it's like a whole thing. So that's a good point. Um, so, yeah, look at that, Mr. Ochigava. Pretty clever. Well, you heard it here first. If we've unraveled an we, international we've figured conspiracy. Out the secret. Yep. We figured out the secret. We need to do our um, minority report. Um, or uh, what's it called? The conspiracy theory newsletter, Mel Gibson. Yeah, where yeah. Where he yeah. sends it out, and he's got six subscribers. That yeah. could be. That's like our channel right here. Yeah, we could do another one. Yep. I like conspiracy theories. They're fun. Well, who knows? I guess we'll see in the coming. His trials on January or December twenty sixth. So, all right. Last story of the week: Air Jordans worth over ten grand found in a shelter donation bin in Oregon. They're auctioning off a rare discovery from its donation bin. A pair of Air Jordan 3s commissioned by Spike Lee valued at more than $10,000. These were found in a donation bin. How, you're asking? They were sorting through this stuff, found the gold shoes at the bottom of a bin. Tinker Hatfield, the actual designer of the Air Jordan 3 sneakers, paid a visit to the shelter in Oregon to examine the shoes personally. He confirmed they were a custom pair of Air Jordan 3 shoes commissioned by Spike Lee to wear at the Academy Awards in 2019. He provided the shelter with a replacement box and a frame-signed proof, which is here in the picture. So it's not like it came like that in the bin. It just came with just the shoes. Just the shoes, no box, nothing. Somebody donated them. So he gave him another box. did Spike Lee... He like threw them out or something. Yeah, and that's what they're trying to figure out. The or did shoes... they make like more than one or something? No, like that? they did not. The shoes valued at more than ten thousand dollars, being auctioned by Sotheby's. Hundred percent of the hammer price going to the Portland Rescue Mission, so it's going for a good cause. At least twenty thousand. 
Um, but it says it's unclear how the shoes came to be in the da- donation bin. So where's Spike Lee? Yeah, I want to hear. You just got to ask Spike Lee. Yeah, like where's his statement? Like, yeah, man, oh, I wasn't really feeling those shoes. I, I just gave them to the Goodwill. I didn't like how shiny they were. But how do they end up in Portland? You know? Yeah, really. Uh, well, I, I mean, it almost makes me think they just didn't, like, make it all the way out. Like, they were commissioned, and maybe they didn't finish it in time. I wonder if he wore them. Yeah, I wonder if he didn't actually wear them. And then maybe something like, I love just coming up yeah. with some conspiracy theories. Yeah. So so they, they didn't get out, and then the guy who was responsible <laughs> for it was like, oh, crap. And he, he, he hit them for a while, and then. That's a good point. Who knows? <clears throat> um, but they're And going- he wanted Spike Lee to forget about it because he paid for it. <laughs> Maybe, but they never got him to him, <laughs> and he was wearing them for a while. I don't know. I think he wore them. I think he wore them, and then he just, you know, like he gave them to his assistant, and the assistant like wasn't feeling them, or I don't know. He went back to Portland and was like, I'm gonna go donate no idea. To the rescue mission. <laughs> That's it for us this week, though, guys. We're out of here. Uh, we're out of here for the year. So thank you guys for tuning in this year in 2023. We're looking forward to 2024. We got lots of stuff lined up for you. So. Have a good Christmas. Have a good New Year's, and we'll see you in the new year. Thanks, guys. Happy see holidays. Bye-bye. Ho, ho, ho. Peace.